What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on a Monday at Tale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is back from Donkey Land. Back from Denver, a little breather. Good to see his smiling face. We're loaded up today. We'll talk some recruiting and some fall football with Aaron Sorensen of Hale Varsity. That'll come up here in about 20 minutes. We'll stream yard Aaron, so uh, that'll be on Twitter and Facebook live for you on ESPN Lincoln. In hour two, Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, will join the show. Kind of the calm before the storm as uh, camp gets uh, into full gear next Wednesday. Uh, a week from tomorrow, it is Nebraska Day in Indy with Big Ten Media Days. Uh, we'll be there for that. Excited to be a part of uh, Media Days and uh, the three Huskers that'll be there, Quentin Newsom, Travis Vokalek, and Garrett Nelson. Really good list and countdown continues. We'll dive into in a moment uh, when it comes to in most intriguing Huskers and a, a non-player, as Brandon Vogel hinted about over the weekend, uh, Mark Whipple in at number three on most intriguing for Nebraska. Jabba Chamberlain will round it out for us. It is home run derby tonight. The premiere of Derek Jeter's, uh, well, his uh, his series coming up. The captain is what the captain called, right? is going to be a must watch, and uh, we'll talk to Jabba about some slump busting, how to get out of that dreaded slump for your favorite major league baseball player or favorite high school baseball player. So Jabba with us in our two numbers to to get in at four six six three seven. 7646637767 toll free across the state where you hear us at 1-800-825-5865 find us and follow us on Twitter Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com Elijah you saw some races out in Denver you sent a slow-mo video of some funny cars uh, before we dive into football, dude, tell me about the vacay. What all did you do? Oh, uh, well, got family in Denver, obviously. So my dad always uh, makes these trips like, oh, yeah, we're going to see the drag races. Then we get out there and inevitably there's some work we have to do on my grandma's house or lawn or something it's like okay. that. okay. Oh, I know. It's, that's how it goes. And uh, my dad's been restoring an old Model A in his uh, garage. So he got to go hit a specialty Model A store and go pick up all the parts he's been trying to find online for a long time. He was very excited about that, but got to hit the drag races. My ears are still recovering. Those <laughs> things are just stupid loud. Doesn't matter how much ear, or I guess it probably does matter how much hearing protection you have, but uh, with the earplugs in, it, it still hurts the ears. You still feel it in the air. It's still pretty incredible. 
Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And then made it back in last night, drove all morning and all afternoon to make it back in time to work a Salt Dogs game last night in which the Salt Dogs lost by 22. So Yeah, that was what, 25 to... 25 to 3. The, 25 to three. the Railroaders came up one run shy of the American Association record for most runs scored in the game. So that wasn't the, the best way to end the weekend. But other than that, had a good weekend. Okay, so you are... You need a little uh, some Advil for the for the wrist uh, because of all of the notes and scoring that took place. Yeah, it, it reaches a point where like you go, I should probably cut some highlights out of here because this is a really impressive performance. Like one of the guys for the railroaders hit for the cycle last night, and he did it by hitting a grand slam in the bottom of the eighth inning. The last oh, thing wow. he needed was a home run, and he hit for and the he cycle. Got it. And it's one of those things where the Salt Dogs are down by twenty. And you go, I really don't want to cut this highlight, but I probably should. This is a pretty momentous moment in the season, despite how bad it is for the Salt Dogs. Yeah, you want to rare those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are getting Nixon taped, and uh, yeah, the game will be forgotten. So we talk about intriguing players for Nebraska, and the list and the countdown started at 10 with HailVarsity.com. Tommy Hill, we've heard some great things from Coach Fisher about Tommy Hill, and Nebraska's got to reload in that secondary uh, Buford also at safety uh, and uh, corner. Castaneda at wideout, uh, running down the list. Trey Palmer in at seven. Anthony Grant, six. Ty Robinson, five. And then the uh, the bookends, Turner Corcoran, Teddy Prohaska in at four. Great list, solid list. Those are all guys that yeah come to mind that, that need to have big seasons. And how 2022 goes. Uh, lots determined on some of the above mentioned. Well, uh, Vogues, as always, uh, nails it. And when you talk about <laughs> uh, intrigue, there, there's a lot of intrigue. We can all flip on YouTube and watch Pitt. We talked to Kelly Stoffer on Friday. He had the Pitt Bowl game. And <sighs> there is intrigue. You know, what's it officially going to look like? Well, it's going to be controlled passing. There's going to be uh, some run game. I think what's going to be nice is 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 as veteran as Whipple is, whether the run game's good or terrible, I don't think he's a guy that will abandon it. You see it done at all levels of football where the run game ain't going early. So it's time to just start chucking the football. And I think, you know, if Nebraska is going to have a successful season, it's going to be with the help that's around your quarterback. It's going to be the help and balance you get with the passing game from Nebraska's run game. You have some really good candidates, Ramirez, uh, a veteran. You have uh, a guy like uh, Grant that, you expect some good things from you have Yant, AJ Allen, I mean, just to name a few. And there, there, there's not as many in the running back room, but there's some talent there. And uh, you're hoping it, it can pay some dividends. And then, of course, the offensive line, what Riola has those guys do. I go back to a couple of conversations we've had with really good linemen, Rob Zadiska, Jeremiah Searles, and, and they're. They're in favor of, I mean, they've played both styles. They played the let's move the guy versus let's get in the way, right? The, uh, the, the, the one-on-one blocking versus the zone blocking scheme, and both can work. Both really can work well. But uh, with Nebraska, 
I think the downhill aspect and the under center, the more pro style is what we'll see. You'll see quarterback run maybe a little bit, but that's more so if you're running for your life versus a designed uh, quarterback run. Really good article by Sam McEwen on the shift in in what you're asking your quarterbacks to do at a lot, a lot of places around the country. Uh, we'll get there and touch on that story as well. But Elijah, uh, it doesn't get much more intriguing than what Whipple's asking his offense to do, what Whipple's asking and training all of his quarterbacks to do, and then that marrying of the run game with the offense. I couldn't think of a better number three, quite honestly, uh, player or, or coach. Uh, Whipple comes in with a high question mark uh, because of of what he's inheriting, uh, what's new, and then all the work that's got to be done, getting everybody on the same page, and then you go kick off in Ireland. Yeah, cause it, it's the turnaround that Mark Whipple has to bring to this offense, not in the fact that they need better results, but the fact that this, this whole offense may be completely different. And we're still not completely sure what the offense is going to look like, but the more time goes on, the more it sounds like this is not going to be even a marriage of the Scott Frost and the Mark Whipple. It's going to be more Mark Whipple with mm-hmm. some Scott Frost influence. So you don't have the, the luxury of being able to say, okay, we can get most of our, our schemes installed this year uh, and kind of figure it out as the year goes on, get better and better. You, you got to have this offense down. It's not like you can have a, a, a learning curve for a year and then have it down by year two. If you don't have it down by year one, this whole coaching staff could be on the road by the end of the mm-hmm. season. So it, it comes down to not only uh, – how different his offense looks, but how quickly he can instill it in the offense and get his schemes working um, because the, the clock is ticking. By the time you get to Dublin, you can't have this be a, a, a work in progress. You can have some some fine-tuning to do, but the offense can't be a, a work in progress. No, by by Oklahoma, the offense has got to be reliable. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something you can lean on. And, and here's the reality. Whatever you think of ACC defenses. Pitt still averaged 41 a game. You put up 35 in Big Ten play, you're going to win most of your games. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done uh, with the defenses you face. The Iowas, the Wisconsins, um, and, and Nebraska's been stuck post Polini at anywhere between 21 and 27 points a game. And I don't, I, honestly, I don't think they've ever averaged 27 points a game in Big Ten play post Polini. They, they just haven't. And Whipple's history uh, says that he, his offenses will score some points. And, you know, Nebraska's offense wasn't broken last year, it just wasn't efficient. It just didn't get where it needed to go, and that's the red zone. And, all those trips to the red zone didn't yield the points Nebraska needed. They ranked 18th in yards per play, but 71st in points per game. Think about that difference. You're getting there. What was being called got you into that money zone, but you just couldn't cash the check. And uh, that's where that's where Whipple's been good. You're damn good at scoring points in the red zone if you're averaging 41 a game uh, in college football last year. And you saw it build, right? He was at Pitt a couple years. Uh, 2020 was COVID, but 2020 was vastly different than 2021. And I think that's the other part of what's really cool about bringing Whipple in 
is the development aspect. He'll develop an offense in a system that will benefit the offensive line and benefit the skill guys and obviously find a running game to lean on because at heart in the fourth quarter, that's how you're going to win games in the Big Ten. And this style with Riola, it'd really be cool if you're a Nebraska fan to see Nebraska, all those body punches through quarters one through three pay off in the fourth quarter. That's what Iowa does. That's what Minnesota does. That's what Wisconsin does. And can you win the war of attrition in a four-quarter game in the Big Ten West? That's what Bielema is going to do, right? We're running out of Big Ten team West, Big Ten teams in the West to talk about when we talk about physical offenses. Uh, Nebraska needs to get physical in a hurry and join their peers. Not that they haven't been, but from a first through fourth quarter, you just don't see teams wilt against the Nebraska offense. You just don't. You, Nebraska's had opportunities to go win games in the fourth quarter because they've been able to stick around, but the payoff hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And with that 41 points per game number that you mentioned, I don't think... I don't know what translate. I don't know what 41 in the ACC means in the Big Ten. I don't ex- know that. Ex- Exactly, but I mean, you're looking, that's, that's Ohio State territory in terms of points per game. 41 plus. So I don't think anyone's expecting Nebraska to put that kind of number up. And that's why you get into this question of can Nebraska uh, win through body blows, win through the, the rushing attack? Because I don't think Mark Whipple is going to have uh, you know an easy transition to the Big Ten in terms of his offense. I think there's going to be not only a learning curve for the offense picking up uh, Mark Whipple's style, but Mark Whipple's style adapting to the Big Ten as well. We, had, we saw that with Scott Frost back in year one and year two where his style was changing as he saw Big Ten defenses and what they did, how they came out to prepare for him. And I think we're going to see that this year again with Whipple. But that number of, of 35, uh, if Nebraska can get there, I think you're spot on with mm. the fact that you're going to win more games than you lose. But can Nebraska get there based on how this offense is going to have to change? I don't think anyone's expecting Mark Whipple to come in and say, you know what, we're expecting you to put up 35 points a game. But by the end of the season, can Nebraska do that once they figure out, A, some things about themselves and B, how teams are going to line up against them? That's the question. We're going to run down some scores. So earmuffs, if you have some PTSD from one-score losses. Illinois, 30-22. to 22. Uh, Michigan State, they scored 23 on you. Michigan scored 32. Minnesota, Minnesota at 30. Purdue at 28. Ohio State at 26. Uh, Wisconsin scored 35 on you. Iowa 28. That 30-point number is magic in the Big Ten. We've said it before. It bears repeating. And even if you go back to, to 2019, let's just punt COVID for the sake of punting COVID, right? Because it was kind of a crazy screwed up year. Uh, but not, third, just, not just in football, crazy screwed up all right, around. I mean, it was, it was all around. And you get to that that 30-point number. I mean, you put up 42 to beat Illinois on the road, right? You, you had that, that, that showcase of football, 13-10 to 10 against Northwestern. But Minnesota put up 34 against you. Indiana, 38. Purdue, uh, 31. Wisconsin, 37. You're, you're in the ballgame, Iowa, 27. You're in the ballgame all the time in the Big Ten if your offense can get you four scores and a field goal. Mm-hmm. And you're going to win, I'd say, 60 to 70% of them if your defense can get a stop. But it comes down to, to, um, to red zone 
It comes down to physical football, and it comes down uh, to being able to build. That percentage is what's going to be interesting uh, when it comes to completion percentage and just what you're calling. What's the balance like? Is it going to be 55-45 out of the gate like you've had the, the three previous years around that ratio running to passing? And listen, I don't, I don't care if they run it fewer times and then they throw it. Is it whatever's working. Whatever is absolutely working, and you're going to ask your quarterbacks to to pick up some chunks across the middle. That has not always been a strength for this Nebraska offense on some of the crossing routes. But find the tight end, dump it off to the back. just move the chains. Yeah, and Nebraska at times last year felt a little bit reliant on that big play, that that chunk play. So can Nebraska get their average yards per play up on the plays that aren't your chunk plays and make sure you're not too reliant on a play that's going to go 30, 40 yards to keep a drive going? Well, and a lot of times you didn't score off of those chunk plays. Aaron Sorensen's on the way. Storm Chasers fans, suit up. My spidey senses are tingling. July 22nd is Marvel Night. While the ballplayers are wearing Black Panther jerseys, you too can be repping your favorite Avenger. My all-time favorite is Iron Man. Outside of the fact that he's downright awesome, his wit and sarcastic nature is similar to mine. So essentially, I am Iron Man. Thor will also make an appearance that night. When you say hi to him, make sure to say, Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? He loves that. Come be a superhero and watch the Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs. Get your tickets now. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Aaron Sorensen is in. As uh, we're streaming live here on, well, StreamYard. ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. Aaron uh, just got a, uh, a tweet forwarded to me from Elijah Benny Nagoy. Boom, boom, boom. A uh, Wednesday 1 p.m. commitment announcement. He's a stud ball player from Lincoln High. Great size, athleticism, a corner, a wideout. There's so many in-state prospects that... Uh, well, it'd be fun to see where in that red end uh, for a lot of Nebraska fans. Thanks for taking time today. Of course. And actually, it's funny that you say that because uh, Brandon Vogel and I were just talking earlier today about it feels like a lot of um, commitments are coming really quickly. Even commitments that we were expecting maybe wouldn't be decided until later in the season. But this is not a year for recruits and prospects to wait. If you wait, your spots are probably not going to be there. And that seems to be kind of the theme right now is if you are a prospect who has a school sincerely interested in you, you might really want to take a hard look if that is something that you want to go make that commitment today versus waiting because, you know, players who might be thinking I'm going to wait till October, November, December, right before this early signing period, that class might be full at that point. And that's not just Nebraska. That is across the board. We're seeing that pretty consistently. So, um, I, I mean, there there are a number of commitments like or prospects that in the next couple of weeks, I won't be surprised if we don't see an answer. And that will be a lot sooner than I think we were expecting. The, the music slowing and time to find a chair is okay. is right now for a lot of those kids. And it's fascinating to see just how different things are versus a kid uh, taking his time. And, uh, you know, I want prospects to to do their due diligence and do what's right for them and 
wherever they go, wherever they go, good luck, great, get a great education, get some NIL cash, and, and, and be awesome adults. That's really all I care about. I look at just what is reality now in college football, and that is, well, let's, uh, let's maybe go check out these eight other five stars that were going to a, a, a big-time school, and wow, uh, the other five-star, or heck, three-star, ain't going to relinquish that quarterback job. So it's time for us to transfer on. There's such a, a secondary market now that you have an opportunity to get if you're a college football program uh, with kids that maybe have dipped their toe in another program but uh, decide to move on. It's it surplanted, I wouldn't say surplanted, but it's rivaled what you've gone uh, gone after in JUCO. But you still have the uh, the transfer market, you have the JUCO market, and then, all right, let's develop somebody for two and a half years if they stick around, right? And, uh, yeah. and get them ready by year three. That That is the hard part is like the transfer portal. And this is a part of it. Like I know fans talk quite a bit about like how this has changed high school recruiting and it has to a degree. Now you're still going to want to try to bring in those players that you can hopefully um, bring up in your program will stick around. The ideal is like, I think like a Garrett Nelson mm-hmm. that you bring in and they're going to stick around the full time um, or even like a majority of their career, if you will. I think in some cases, like if they end up being a graduate transfer the last year or something of their career, you can kind of go, all right, that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does feel like musical chairs is a little bit of what's going on right now because for so many, and we know this, speaking of Garrett Nelson, we've heard this from um Frost and the staff have kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, at the end of this year, if if players like Garrett Nelson or O'Shawn Mathis choose to move on, choose to look at their NFL options at that point, don't come back to Nebraska, you know, they might look at the portal over because at that point you need somebody who can make an immediate impact versus somebody that you can bring in and develop. Now, you still want to bring the person and develop, but the the portal is more intriguing in that Mm -hmm. moment. So it's definitely kind of changed how roster numbers work. I don't envy the people who have to keep an eye on all of this and have to have a little bit of <laughs> their hand in everything uh, because it is, it is, it is a different, it used to be very, not like simple, but it used to be simpler. You knew, okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take 25 in my recruiting class. I have to have 85 scholarship players. I know this is what I have to do. Um, but between the COVID year and the transfer portal and everything else, the, all of the moving pieces with roster management, I do not envy those people mm-hmm. who have to keep up on that. Not at all. <laughs> now, this is something that I don't think has been really hit on all that much. So uh, I, I'm just kind of spitballing here. But with the walk-ons within a program, it used to be such a cool moment every single fall. You get to see these guys get surprised with a scholarship in front of the team. Everyone's super happy for them. But do you think you can see that changing here in the next couple of years whenever you look at it and say, well, we could give this walk-on uh, a scholarship offer, a guy who's been doing everything right, and uh, maybe can get some playtime, or, or you could save that scholarship and uh, bring in a transfer guy, a guy who's more uh, likely to make an impact on your team immediately. Do you see that uh, affecting how a, a walk-on is treated within a program? I mean, well, in the case of like Nebraska heading into this fall, Nebraska is currently two over mm-hmm. on its scholarships. Uh, so it's like you're not you're, you're almost like not even doing the like, hey, let's hand out the scholarship. You're almost being like, let's do the ceremony to remove the two scholarships. But it does change it because like technically they don't have anyone at this point to they don't have a scholarship to award to anyone. And. That's kind of, I mean, I, I think for a lot of 
players are probably like, you know, it's okay. Like I can keep working toward it, but it does change things quite a bit. I think, I think it's unique in Nebraska with how coveted the walk-on program is in Nebraska. That's definitely a unique thing, but yeah, it does kind of add a layer to it of, Oh, well, we're probably not going to see any walk-on scholarship announcements this fall because there isn't one to give away right now. And so there's a whole layer of this where like, I I think that's actually like a really interesting question because what does it look like next fall? We know that they sometimes bring players on just for one semester scholarships or sometimes um, it's a one year situation. So what does that look like? Again, super grateful. I'm not the one who has to Mm. uh, figure all of this out. (laughs) Aaron Sorensen with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine with us at Aaron Sorensen's, where you follow her on Twitter. Aaron, uh, great story over the weekend, HaleVarsity.com. You took a look at recruiting specifically where USC and UCLA uh, rank uh, on the trail uh, against the Big Ten. And shocking, uh, Ohio State's in at number one, right, for 2023. Nebraska in at eight. USC sitting pretty at number three. And right above Indiana at 15 instead of 16 is UCLA. How do you think, because I know Nebraska had to make adjustments with the Frost staff about two years into to how and what they were recruiting here for the Big Ten. Uh, do you think UCLA and and SC are going to switch up how and what they're going after on the lines of scrimmage, or do you think they're going to do what they do and see how it plays out? Well, I think you have to, I I think there's going to, certainly we've figured this out like over the last decade of Nebraska and the big 10 is Nebraska's had to adjust to the big Mm -hmm. 10. I know that the famous Scott Frost quote now, the big 10 will have to adjust to Nebraska, but the reality is Nebraska, the reality is that the Big Ten plays a very specific specific type of ball, and it has evolved a bit. Teams like Ohio State have certainly changed it mm-hmm. um, a little bit, but they're still really tough up front. You're, you're going to have to have big linemen on both sides of the ball. That is just Big Ten brand of football. So what does that mean for USC and UCLA? Is it means they're going to have to start looking for those guys. But the, the thing is, they're going to be playing in the states where those a lot of those players live, and they're going to high school right now. And you, what's the biggest thing is just exposure. So the fact that they're going to get exposure in those areas is a big deal. Um, I do want to say, like, USC being right up there at the top of, of the Big Ten even right now when you factor their <laughs> recruiting spot in it makes a ton of sense. If anyone looks at that and has a little bit of a, what is UCLA doing? They just are right now very, they have a very small class. It's only as of published time had only five commitments in it. That is expected to change. So it'll be interesting to keep looking at that, in my opinion, up until the early signing period to see where USC and UCLA ultimately fall. When you look at the 16 teams, that will be the big 10, at least that we know of right Mm -hmm. now and see where they end up because, you know, does UCLA end up in the top half um, when it's all said and done? And then when we look at this in 2024, does them actually existing in the Big Ten change anything? Does their recruiting itself change? In fact, I, I would love to get – I would love to just – you wish you could be on a, a fly on the wall of Lincoln Riley's office right now. He leaves Oklahoma – the world is different on the West Coast, and now he's coming right back into the middle of the country. <laughs> I guess the Big Ten does now expand all the way, all the way over to mm-hmm. the East, East Coast. But at the same time, he's probably like, 
Well, I guess, you know, recruiting's got to take a different look once again. Um, but it would be interesting to, like, pick his brain or at least be a fly on the wall and hear what he thinks as far as recruiting is concerned. But it doesn't shock me that USC is right up there toward the top right now. They're the 11th class in the country, so uh, pretty good recruiting so far by Lincoln Riley and his staff. It'll be interesting then on the flip side to see what UCLA does in the coming months, but still feel like that one's going to shake out pretty well. They have some pretty good recruits so far, even though it's a small class. It just They don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, numbers to pull from just yet, but it, that'll change soon enough. There's so much talent out there in California that, that they'll be fine. And Lincoln Riley's been outstanding, whether they've come to him or he's found somebody. He, he'll get his quarterback that can play any league. He'll get his wideouts that can play in any league. Same with the running game. It's going to be the lines of scrimmage. And you know this, uh, Elijah and Aaron. USC was incredible uh, back in the Pete Carroll era because they had NFL offensive and defensive linemen. There's enough guys to find for him out there. Uh, I just wonder if it's going to open the door for more Big Ten teams to go mining California. Ohio State does it anyway. For sure. Nebraska wants to as well. Brandon wrote about that, the Calabrasca return, and that that term just, like, gets people all fired up. But Calabrasca, <laughs> like, I mean, where I was saying that, like, the USC-UCLA contingent can now come and mine through the Big Ten and continue to look for those big, those big players that they could put on their lines and continue to, like, you know, kind of have a stronghold now in the Big Ten. The Big Ten can do the exact same thing in California. If you're mm-hmm. Nebraska and you're playing fairly regularly in California, you're now in front of those players. They're going to see you on their TV. Um, they're going to be paying more attention to you. You know, that's not a bad deal for a school like Nebraska or any Big Ten team who's like, what kind of talent can we get out of California now? It's the same thing when you leave Texas, like Nebraska left the Big 12. You leave the state of Texas. You're not playing there as regularly. You're not getting as many players from there. Mm-hmm. But when you bring a Brian Applewhite in who has connections in Texas, suddenly you start to see that it's all about proximity and who you know, and when you're going to be playing in a state like California regularly, it's certainly going to benefit the teams in the Big Ten who are going to go there. Recruiting ties so big, and uh, Nebraska will no doubt exhaust some of their California connections. Aaron, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Thank you. All right. Aaron Sorensen with us from Hale Varsity. What's the price tag at Notre Dame's asking for? I will tell you next. When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now. Now before it's too late. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, what is the number? What is the price tag for the Irish? Dennis Dodd will run into him at Media Days next week in Indy. CBS Sports College football writer. (laughs) Notre Dame would remain independent if it can earn at least $75 million 
annually in media rights revenue from their partner NBC, that the source to CBS Sports. The uh, Irish's deal with the network set to expire in 2025 uh, for NBC to feel comfortable raising Notre Dame's valuation to such a level. It's seeking a shoulder programming uh, in case Notre Dame played before and or after uh, in case uh, games played before after Notre Dame from a Power 5 conference to enhance that college football coverage. What do you think here? Can, can the Irish get $75 million? Uh, can, can they get that bump from NBC? It's interesting because there's some speculation here. You want to know what you can do if you're the Big 12. Team up with NBC and say, yeah, we'll uh, take the rest of the Pac-12, uh, move them into the Big 12. You have some decent TV markets that exist already. And uh, we will either have a, an appetizer or dessert for you after that Notre Dame broadcast. And if there's some sort of partnership between Notre Dame and, and the Big 12, not necessarily formal, but as you said, like this broadcast do, do, do agreement. They, do they dump the ACC for the Big 12? Mm-hmm. That, that's a huge question here. And then you also look at it and go, man, can Notre Dame, by being in proximity with these schools in terms of broadcast, by remaining independent but being on the same network as, say, the, the Big 12 and what remains the Pac-12 or however that looks – could they honestly save those two conferences and make them the third player in what was shaping up to be a two-horse race? Well, you want three leagues, right? You want three monster conferences, and Notre Dame's just going to going to take bids, man. Does it make sense for the Irish to go to the a- to the SEC? No, I mean it, it doesn't make sense. The ACC really what Pitt was good the last couple of years. Uh, NC State's been pretty decent. North Carolina's been kind of up or down, eight, nine win program. But it's been Clemson. As I said, the eyeballs of North Carolina, and it's not on football. Of those three schools you no. listed, Pitt and NC State and North Carolina, the, the eyeballs aren't on football. No, they're, they're not. I'm just saying, what's the program standing been like? And they've been ranked, they've mm-hmm. been pretty good. You've got Miami and Florida State, both scuffling. Uh, compared to, to glory years, right? And is Miami finally going to, air quote, get back? Uh, what's Florida State's situation? Uh, they've been a far cry. They've been a far cry from the Winston era. Miami's been a far cry from the Ed Reed era. I mean, and, and we're talking a couple of decades there. So this is fascinating because good for Notre Dame if they can go get that $75 million annual bump and and then also by the way save the league save save two parts of the country that need some help and quite honestly you want to talk best path to the playoff as good as Okie state's been right as as nice as Iowa state Iowa state's covid season was a 10 win ranked season as good as Oregon's been they won in Columbus last year Give me that. Give me that over even jacking with Clemson. Give me that over having to navigate the Big Ten. And give me that over jacking with anybody uh, in the SEC. This is a, if this can get done for Notre Dame, it's a no brainer because you're going to be presuming you, you keep up to what you've been doing, even without Coach Kelly there. 
uh, from a recruiting standpoint, you've been killing it on paper. And then, yeah, you can go into the West Coast. You can go into Texas. They do anyway. They recruit nationally. And, yeah, you're going to be able to, to, to switch out. A little bit harder league, uh, in my opinion, depth-wise, the Big 12. Uh, the the, the Pac-12, not so much compared to the ACC, but the ACC has been so top-heavy for, for years. I think they're, the ACC is kind of on their way up, but it's still just Clemson or bust. And, and there no might, disrespect to Pitt, no disrespect to NC State. There, there might be a, a touch of dramatics to what I say here, but based on what was shaping up in the past couple of weeks, you thought Notre Dame was going to have to either join the Big Ten or join whoever, but then they come out with this. I mean, this is still sounds pretty early in the works, but this is a power move on their play. I mean, the SEC went power play last year whenever they went and added Texas and Oklahoma, and the Big Ten had a power move of their own by going and USC and UCLA, and you thought with all that power being thrown around that Notre Dame was going to have to relinquish theirs, but instead they're trying to go for a power move of their own and say, you know what, we don't need these conferences. We can make just as much money as them solo uh, by somewhat teaming up with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, saving them, but also saving ourselves, saving our independent status. This might be the biggest power move of, of the three. That's what has a touch of dramatics to it, but that's a huge We're move. We're save a couple of leagues. Yeah. You're not, not only are you you increasing your own standing in the, in the college football yeah, world, you're but you're going out and you're, saving other conferences. You're going to pay me. And, and we're going to make sure that, that, that there's a third player for the ability. Because you're not going to not consider Notre Dame for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Even if I mean, they, they've been under consideration twice. And they've been part-time in it in the ACC anyway. They still get, got in one year, even though they lost to Clemson. And they got in another year because they, they beat Clemson with, without Lawrence. Uh, in South Bend. But, the, I mean, the backloaded numbers say this. Notre Dame's been averaging about $22 million a year with the backloaded nature of their contract. They started this deal uh, in 91, uh, $15 million is what it was. And that was incredible at the time. Now it's just kind of garbage. Uh, but $22 million a year, that's still $8 million less than what everyone's getting in the Pac-12. And not only would this potential deal um, put them on par with some of the other big players in college football and kind of save them that way. It also saves their easier path to the playoff. Notre Dame's end goal might not be winning a college football playoff if they stay independent, stay out of this, just because that competition level that you go face in the college football playoff isn't like the likes of Army and Navy and Air Force and whoever Notre Dame decides to play in a given year. But that path to 12-0 to and 0 or an 11-1 and 1 in a spot in the college football playoff is much easier if you're independent. And on top of that, if you remain independent and, and you get the money on, on that, you're, you're, you've set yourself up just fine. Like. Right. I mean, they, they, they got to be, you know, down to one loss. And it's going to be more NFL-like where the goal may not be to, to win a AFC East for a 30th year in a row if you're Buffalo or the Colts or New England to get into the playoffs and have a bye, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's it's more NFL-like, and that's just how it's going to be. And you'll have a, a chance to, to play your service academies. It'll be interesting to see if USC and Notre Dame continue their series as there's still some, some games uh, against Michigan and Michigan State and Purdue that have been pretty traditional on the schedule. You can surplant half the schedule from the ACC and switch it out to take on uh, the Oregons and Washingtons of the world. Uh, Also, 
you can pick who you want that's still from the Big 12. Oklahoma State, Iowa State if they're good, Baylor. But that's still an easier path than the SEC West or the Big 10 East or the yeah. Big 10 West. This is pretty smart by the Irish. We'll wind down Hour 1 on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride going to be with us, and then Jabba Chamberlain will talk some all-star festivities with Jabba and how to break out of that slump. Reminder to get buckled up. Game preparation and repetition predict success and winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety. Office reminder, get the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio. You can find us on YouTube. It's posted there every day, but also Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We love the feedback and appreciate you telling a buddy about Hail Varsity Radio. Listen on your terms, on demand, also, ESPNLincoln.com for some of our one-on-one sit-downs. The interview segments uh, go there as well. 39 days, 18 hours, 35 minutes. So we count down to kickoff. Wait, wait, are you counting? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I am counting. counting. I am counting. I'm counting to Indy uh, a week from well, today. I'll be flying out. So... That's uh, on the docket. Short term, long term, we're uh, we're gearing up for Ireland. Tell me a little bit about your the, the plans in Ireland. How many days do you have in Ireland? Is it three? Is I that? leave the twenty fourth, okay, uh, which is kind of a two day adventure over there, right? So uh, land carry the one. I'll be ready to chat with you probably on a Friday. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you leave on a Wednesday. You travel day Thursday. Friday, you're there. Saturday, you're there, and you coming back Sunday? No, uh, we'll be back. I think we leave the following Tuesday. So, oh wow! So you press got- conference Monday for North Dakota uh, and all the Northwestern recap. I'll be uh, live in Ireland still. That'll be fun for us. That'll be fun. Yes, uh, we are circling a pub to be at. Can't wait for that uh, for the pregame. Are you going to go kiss what is it, Blarney Stone for good luck? Probably not. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's a good idea on a Friday to go. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I've heard of it. You, yeah. you kiss the stone for good luck? That seems like something good to go do on a Friday before the season starts. <laughs> Why not, right? Uh, the the other plan, though, is I guess the, uh, the the Guinness is different over there, and it'll never be the same when you come back to America. Hmm. So I'm excited to, to do that taste test. Is that like the difference between getting a, a beer in a can versus a beer on tap? Is that the kind of difference? Or is it like a legitimately a different formulation? I just know that I've been I've been warned that Schmidt, you'll you'll have a hard time. Guinness is awesome, mm-hmm. love it, uh, love it in the wintertime. but it's just it's so different. Oh, I mean, it's it's the birthplace of it, right? So I mean, it's going to be done at a high level uh, over there. It's like. You get a steak somewhere else aside from Nebraska, right? Kind of. Well. Yeah. I, I, I think the better comparison would be like that Nebraska-grown corn. You okay. always got to wait. Whenever the corn stands open up in Lincoln, you always got to ask, like, where are you getting this corn from? And, like, beginning of the year, beginning of the summer, like, oh, yeah, we got this shipped up from Georgia, and you skip that. Not worth it. <laughs> Later in the summer, you start getting to, like, July, early August, you start asking, they go, oh, yeah, this is from a farm here in Nebraska. You buy that corn. That's oh, the good you, stuff. You, you race towards it, and you, you put it 
in the steamer, you mm-hmm. boil it, you throw it on the grill. However, you do corn on the cob. I like how everyone uh, around Lincoln also has like their corn stand of choice that they go back to oh, every sure. single year. There's some legendary ones. Mm-hmm. Yep, same with the watermelon stands. Uh, Aaron has, my wife has her top three, and she doesn't negotiate. Coach McBride, uh, the key to avoiding that uh, hangover season after a championship. We'll get into it with him next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Thanks for spending time at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It is that time. Another Monday with Charlie, Mr. Blackshirt. Charlie McBride joins us. Coach, 39 days to kickoff. Are you ready? I'm, I'm always ready for that stuff. <laughs> but are you ready to come over to Grand Central Station? <laughs> Tell me who's all over there, man. I was going to ask how many They're fish, all, how many well, fish you caught the- today. Two of the three boys, oh, we didn't catch any because they were all skiing ah, and gotcha. doing whatever they do, surfing and <laughs> I don't know all the stuff scaring they do. Off they're the crazy. Fish. You're scaring you the know, fish, right? Don't have any hospital trips? That's a good thing. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> I bet. So you got the crew there. All right. So what's for yeah. dinner? You guys doing uh, burgers? I don't. I didn't ask him yet. I'm afraid to. But every we've got it one here that's actually can really cook. I mean, one of the kids can, and he he loves to cook. So we let him do his thing, and any go could go anywhere from chicken wings to brats to hamburgers to steaks to mm. you know. I mean, that's you just wait and see what's coming off. And the girls make potato salads and. Some of them taste terrible, and some of them taste good. <laughs> we're not going to ask you to single out who's who, but uh... no, we're not talking. <laughs> I, I mean, I got, like I go in a closet when I do this show. <laughs> <laughs> You're hiding. I love it. Charlie McBride's with us, Coach. I want to talk a little bit here about uh, quarterbacks for a minute, and get your take on the quarterbacks. Uh, that position in college football for 2022. A thought from you on what can you survive college football today running your quarterback? And I ask that because I don't know how much quarterback run designed anyway Nebraska will have next year. I know it, it can pose problems for defenses, 
but it can also be a problem for you on offense when they get hurt or turn the ball over. Well, the first thing, I mean, just in, in, in knowing a little bit, first thing, if you're going to have that kind of a quarterback, you kind of recruit a, a double, you know, a guy that can run and throw mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. Some guys recruit a pro-type quarterback and throw the ball, and that's what that does. And you worry a little bit about that guy because he's not used to getting hit all the time. But a kid that comes out of high school that's been running the ball and doing that, you don't worry as much about him. And he he knows how to, you know, take hits and and do things. But I worry about a person that's never done it before mm-hmm. and turns around and, uh, you know, and, and runs runs the football. Now, we had a kid that didn't run we, uh, at one time who was a backup quarterback for us, mm-hmm. Bruce Matheson, and, but he has a pro arm. And he was in pro ball for quite a while as a backup quarterback at, at the Chargers and, and at Buffalo and um, made himself a whole bunch of money without getting hurt. Because, <laughs> you know, he was – I mean, that's – if you want to make money and you're not have the your ego doesn't blow up, you um, that's that's the job to have, or else be a long snapper. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> stay alive. Some of these long snappers, you check their thing; they've been out 15, 16 years, and uh, and even more, some of them. But but I I don't I don't uh, worry I don't you know myself I don't worry about. Guys getting hurt now. You know, you go when you go look at the kids we've had. If you know, you can you can Tom. You know, you know Tom. You could look at some of the guys that have been hurt a little bit. They miss a game. Uh, Armstrong. You know, he had a couple of injuries, that, which which are common. I mean, they're like to anybody. You know, but it wasn't sustainable um, of any consequence. And most of those kids lift weights and get conditioned to do it. So I don't. I don't know. I don't really worry about it uh, myself. And I think that it's important that they do it. But in li- in looking and listening to what they're talking about, I don't. I think there's some built-in stuff for a quarterback, and I think all of them, every one of them, is capable mm-hmm. of that kind of thing that they have and which is really good and i think in order to do it you better have three of them mm. because uh and the same thing at ibeck mm. i mean you you have to have depth at those positions because you don't never know what's going to happen i mean it could be you could be a drop back guy and those are the guys that get i mean believe it or not probably have more injuries than a running quarterback charlie mcbride's with us hail varsity radio did you prefer playing a, a different – what style of quarterback did you prefer playing on the defensive <laughs> hey, side? If they drop back, we know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> and so all your blitz stuff is really a lot simpler than, uh, you know, trying to get a guy that runs around or, or things uh, can run and uh, it's really – can break the pocket and hurt you. Mm-hmm. Now, some guys can break the pocket, but they can't run away from you. I mean, it's, you know, that that's kind of a, you know, but they're they're even getting, even the big guys are getting to have the ability to run away from some people. And, um, but myself, I think, you know, it's, it, in college, it's really important. 
if you're going to have some running game in your stuff, that uh, you know it's good to have one. And a lot of times you'll find out. We we always used to check to see what their holder. Sometimes they just have a holder. They have a guy that does nothing but hold. He better find out what his background is because if he's a quarterback, you know one thing is they got a trick play that he can throw it. So, you, you know, all of those little things you need to kind of keep an eye on. But I don't know. I'd personally rather see a pro quarterback. Yeah, it makes, uh, makes sense. Uh, like you said, you know where he's going to be. Yeah, and Charlie, just to follow up with that, on the flip side of things, you'd rather have a, a pro-style guy, guy who's a bit more of a statue back there. But for your defense, whenever you're, you're, you're uh, trying to, to contain a guy, whether he be a pro-style or, or a dual threat, would you rather have, say, four or five defensive linemen that can really get after the quarterback and cause some pressure? Would you rather have four or five guys in your back end that are real lockdown corners or safeties or what have you and really make it tough for, for that guy to find somebody who's open? Which side of things would you rather have if you can only pick one? Well, the one, the one thing you, you always talk about to your players is it's, uh, what kind of an interception was it? Was it a cover interception or was it a pressure interception? And, and and that's really important. If you have a good pressure team, you know, guys that you know can get the ball and cause that The important thing about a pass rush that a lot of people don't realize is just change the trajectory of his hand of release. If he has to ch- throw his sidearm or he has to throw it uh, and pull back on it or if he has to step another way and – He's not going to get the accurate pass that he would have by just standing in and doing his normal routine. Mm-hmm. And and so it's important, I think, you know, that, that, that you know, you talk to your players about the, those things. But it, it's still, I think, a guy that, that, that every quarter, to me, I looked at, we looked at every team having an option. And if people know what a sprint option is, that's without the dive mm-hmm. back. And okay, a sprint option is where the quarterback steps back and comes straight down the line of scrimmage. And if he has an eye formation, the fullback is the blocker and the pitch man is the eye back. So a lot of those guys have that kind of a thing on the goal line and have it. At, so you have to work on the option, no matter who it, it can be anybody. I mean, it, the, when you get in short yardage, you know it doesn't. It, you know it doesn't take a four-four guy, to, you know, to run away from anybody when he got two yards, three yards to go. So you have to always be prepared for an option play, and and in the field too. It might be third and short, and, and they see that you're lined up and you can't cover the option. They may check to to an option play. But you have to, you know, you have to be prepared every week for some kind of an option. And and the, the biggest thing is, is people say, well, yeah, that's okay, and that da da da, you know. But to me, you playing and being a defensive coach, uh, you, that one play that they haven't run this year can beat you. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting a third down and short situation, and they're moving the ball down the field. And all of a sudden, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna do something and run a stunt, or you're gonna. Do, they prepare for what they think you're gonna run in that situation, 
and you better you better be ready to you know to to, look, to play an option football and every team and and you can put yourself to sleep thinking they don't run options. <laughs> Then they beat you with it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, want to go to the defensive line, and, and we know Ty Robinson's uh, looking to make a jump from last season, his first season as, as a full-time starter. Uh, you've got a couple, three names uh, to line up next to him, and I'm interested in your thoughts, uh, what, what you can expect out of the transfer win from Alabama coming to a – uh, a, a new position group from uh, from Nick Saban. You've got Drew that's supposed to be in from Texas Tech once things finish up with him in August, so he's not here yet. And then you've got uh, the polar bear, Nash Hutmacher, who's seen a few snaps, but as, as Coach Dawson talked about last week, is looking to translate all that weight room greatness onto the field. Tell me what you think of some of those options well, next to Robinson. Well, that it's it's pretty simple. The, the, the number one thing is to to, to have depth at the position. What we were able to do it a couple of times during my career there was to, to tell them that you have you were going to alternate every two series. Okay. Now you know you know if you, if you take a big nose tackle. Uh, if you think he's going to play the whole game and rush the passer, you're, you're pounding sand in a rat hole. You're kidding yourself. You know, you need a guy. If if you can go two series and turn it on and have a guy that that's almost as good that you know that can step in there and you know play and do a job. If you can rotate those guys in the fourth quarter comes. There's going to be some freshness in them if the fourth quarter comes and they're the only guys that are playing. I mean, you you're in trouble, kind of. You know, you you could have be in big trouble because they don't have the ability. They have the ability, but they don't have the stamina to just keep playing as hard as they can play, mm-hmm. play after play after play. Especially if they're throwing the ball and you're rushing the passer. So my my thing is depth is in. That, you know, it's important for me when I look at the depth. I want to know who the backup guys are. You know, I look at the, even the three deep. I mean, be, and some guys you could alternate play at different positions. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it's important that you know. I think that they 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 have they have two. The depth is important. Mm-hmm. So when you say Ty Robinson and some of those guys. You know, you might say play two, three, three series, or but they're that they know that they're going to get time off. To, it may be one series. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all depending on what the coach thinks is the right thing to do. But you have to have guys you're not afraid to put in there. Charlie McBride with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. Real quick, of your defensive linemen you coached, who had the best stamina? Who do you th- do? You have a guy that. Was was Jason able Peter. really? Yeah, both he and Winstrom were. You could they could play the whole game, and I, I think Tomich probably could too. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it you know we had I I know that when we go back and look at some of the younger guys, I mean some of the guys we had, we had a kid named Reggie Cooper. He could have played all week. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just he, you know that. 
I I told him one time, I said to him on the sideline, I said, have you ever hit anybody? You know, just <laughs> that upset him quite a bit. <laughs> no wonder you're fresh. The next thing I know, he had torn the, he had hit the guy and tore his face mask right off his helmet almost. And it was back over the head. And I thought I shouldn't have done that. Probably, <laughs> I, I think you knew what you were doing. I think you knew what you were doing. Well, so. coach, uh, that was good. Okay, so that stamina is uh, pretty key, and we'll run you down next week. Enjoy uh, time with family and, and uh, driving that boat, and, and get some burgers and some wings tonight. Okay, we'll do it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, I appreciate I'll talk you, to you coach. next week. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt right there. Old Reggie Cooper ripping a face mask off after uh, the encouraging words. You ever hit anybody? <laughs> that's so good. That's, that's, so that's good. like the ultimate football field slight, too. Like, Oh, com- yeah. And, and Cooper was all big eight, like two years in a row as a safety. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. And he didn't lie in about Peter and Wistrom and Tomich. Those guys could ball. But you look at some of those monster bowl games. I mean, look at look at who's playing the line. He's right. He had two or three guys that you could hockey line change, and everyone stays fresh. Uh, I think Dawson has some options. What's the drop-off level, though? Right? What's the starting level, and what's the drop-off level? We'll talk some baseball. Jabba Chamberlain next on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could... Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in. Stand out with Nebraska World Series champ, Jabba Chamberlain, with us. And it's Home Run Derby uh, coming up. And uh, we say hi to Jabba. Jabba, love or hate the Home Run Derby? I love it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... You know, you get to get to have the guys be kids and see balls hit 550 feet. I mean, what's exciting and the best part about it is you're not the one giving them up. <laughs> Dude, you could hit. I remember you in high school, okay? So any any inkling ever to, to throw your name in the home run derby hat? I mean, maybe in like a, a co-ed softball, but I mean, I did hit I did hit some BP homers during interleague, so I guess those maybe count. Well, th- that's that's what I'm asking about. Athletic did a really good story today, and they went around and asked, "All right, how about a home run derby for for pitches, pitchers?" And uh, Marquise uh, of the Rockies' name came up. Mikolas of uh, of the Cards, Logan Webb, uh, also Madison Bumgardner and Grinky. Any of those names do it for you? Ooh, um, a few of them, but I mean, there's some 
There's some other ones. I, I would put CC Sabathia in that conversation. Okay. Um, I mean, Madison's probably a good one. I mean, are we going going back old school? We could do. We could go back to Darren Dreifer. Sure, Dreifer was, 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 was a beast. Yeah. Um, but right now, I mean, it's. I mean, you got Michael Lorenzen, who's kind of a two-way player as well, but mostly a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, those olds, I mean, those are some good names. I think, I think it would be interesting. I think it would be, it would be fun to watch. But I doubt nobody would uh, would want them to do it because they don't want to hurt themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the guy, the, the name is it, Big Sexy. Used to be with the Mets. With the tribe, and I, I always forget his name, and I should. Oh, Bartolo Colon. Big, sexy Bartolo. That guy just got his money's worth every time at the dish, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he swung and his helmet fell off. I mean, I, he he was a teammate of mine, and he was he was something else. He would come in after the first inning, and if they got a hit, he'd come in and be like, oh, man, they broke up my no-hitter. And it was the first inning. He was fantastic. It was When he hit, when he hit his homer off James Shields in San Diego, golly, just watching the bench and everybody go crazy, that's, that's the best part about this game is, like, you know, we play it for so long, and, and we still, you know, it, we still get to be kids at times. And, I mean, that's the coolest part about this all-star weekend and the home run derby is just the fun that you get to have. Jabba Chamberlain's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. The brackets uh, are out, and the 2022 home run derby looks extremely fascinating with Acuna, uh, Schwarber, uh, of course, and then the old man, the eighth seed, uh, Albert Pujols. What what about Albert? And does he ha- does he stand a chance? tonight um you know what it's hard to count those guys out i love the fact that they did the the legends vote and miggy and albert get to go out on that term Mm -hmm. but i mean it's the way that the draw is now it's going to be tough because it's it's a seeding thing so you know what It, it wouldn't surprise me but at the same time it's going to be tough to beat kyle the way he's swinging the bat and you know, just the uh, the fact that he's been so hot. But at the same time, don't count out Albert. He might do something crazy. Well, Pujols taking on the top seed, Schwarber. You've got Pete Alonzo against Okuna. Pistol Pete's trying for the three-peat, Jabba. And right now you look at uh, odds, Alonzo plus 190, Schwarber plus 300, Juan Soto plus 600, Acuna plus seven hundred, Seager plus nine hundred, uh, Julio Rodriguez plus a thousand, Ramirez plus fifteen hundred. Albert could make a ton of money tonight if he does it. Plus two thousand. I mean, there's there's a lot of money to be made. Depends on what you want, but if my sleeper is probably J. Rock. I mean, just mm-hmm. coming in as as a young kid, you know, but also too. Another teammate of mine is Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. and I've watched a lot of his BP. And, you know, it's a different swing when you get out there in the home run derby, but it's it's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to have to watch it on my phone because Carter has a game tonight, mm-hmm. but it'll be one of those things where I think we might see an upset. I, Pete Alonzo's tough. 
I mean, the experience, and as, as dumb as it is to say in a home run derby, talking to guys that have done it before, it's so different when there's no cage around you because usually you're taking BP and there's the turtle is what we call it around you at BP. And now when you're out there, I remember Nick Swisher, when he did the home run derby, he swung and missed his first. And he was just like, it was so weird. So some of these guys that have never done it before, it, it, it could be interesting. So, I mean, obviously the money is on Pete just because of what he's done the last two years. But I, I'm going to call an upset here. That, that's my call. Okay. Jabba Chamberlain's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Jabba, if you don't mind, I want you to take us back to 2008. The All-Star Game was at Yankee Stadium. It was one of your first years in New York. And we had one of the most legendary home run derby performances of all time. Josh Hamilton went for something crazy like 30 home runs in the first round. I think he went on to lose the home run derby as a whole, but everyone's going to remember those, I think it was 30 home runs he put up in the first round. Do you have any memories of that? Were you in attendance for that home run derby? Actually... I was. And do you know who won that home run derby? Enlighten me. It <laughs> wasn't Josh. Justin, <laughs> Justin Marneau. Oh. Because hmm. I think Josh kind of swung himself out because I think he hit for almost a half hour. But, no, I mean, just the uh, the thing of him hitting those home runs and in a place like Yankee Stadium, it was, it was the last home run derby at the old Yankee Stadium. And it was it was a crazy weekend. Actually, I was hosting parties for MLB, and you know they ended up going into extra innings that year. And it was just a, a crazy weekend all around with you know the home run derby, the All Star game going into extra innings, and just you know the last year of the stadium. It, it, of course, all those things would happen at Yankee Stadium in the last year of it. So it was uh, it was fun to watch. Being in attendance and, and just seeing it is was pretty impressive. Jabba, your take on Juan Soto, uh, 440 million rejected, had some comments today, uh, and we'll see how much longer he's a national. It is definitely going to be interesting. I, I, 15 for 440, I mean, if obviously you break it down on the AAV, he's obviously not getting paid annually, like i just assuming – declining that offer what he wants and then just kind of the comments he's made today for the media and just talking about how a couple weeks ago you know they weren't thinking about trading me and then this happens and then he says who can you trust well i mean it's let's read between the lines here he turns down 440 million dollars it doesn't matter he's going to get paid by somebody Mm -hmm. but it, it it just shows to me as somebody that's seen contracts and been around guys that have turned them down, taken less money because they enjoyed the place that they were at. Just kind of shows it's like, hey, I'm either not happy with management, with front office, with what have you. So, I mean, if you offer me 15 to 440 at that age, I, I, I might poke my finger and sign in blood so you know that it, it's for real. <laughs> and it's just one of those things. And in the comments now, it, it's, do you want to have somebody like that that, not necessarily to say he's wrong in his evaluation of what his AAV should be, because I'm not disagreeing with that. But when you come out and make comments like that and turn down an offer, is it is it saying, like, hey, trade me now? Or is it like, hey, let's figure something else out, let's do less years, same amount of money? I mean, at what point is 
enough enough. Mm. I mean, does he want 500? I mean, obviously he's doing things at his age that, you know, is historical and he's a good player, but it just, I think it leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths, but at the same time, you're, you're going to pay for the talent and whether it's the nationals or whether it's somebody else, he's going to get paid. Jabba, what's that world like with the amount of money that's out there and guys that you want on your team rejecting it? Does it screw up a locker room or do guys get it and leave business to business and just worry about what's between the lines? I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you have so many personalities where you kind of distinguish it. You know, there's some people that, that play the game because they love it and mm-hmm. teammates and all this stuff. And, and there's an aspect of the business side of it, too, and, and that definitely plays a part. And I don't necessarily know if it, it can disrupt. I, I, I've seen it before, but it's just it's kind of been more internal. This is obviously a deal that was obviously very, very public and and who knows, the players may have known about it before and it just came public because it, sometimes it happens like that where, you know, there's shuttlebutt and you talk and obviously as teammates, you know, you, you ask each other for advice. And I think at times it can be a little bit detrimental just because it's like, man, 440 and you don't want to be here. Like, it, they may not come out and say it. It's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> But I think it does rub some people the wrong way in the understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, and they're trying to obviously make you a staple and, and build around you and what have you. So I don't think it's necessarily a conversation where you're you're sitting in the lounge phoning up to one and be like, hey, what the heck are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. what, 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 what's going on here? You know, and it's, but, you know, you talk so much yourselves, and I, I think it can, it can be detrimental in an aspect of where, you know, you, you continue to say the things that he's saying, then I think at that point, if he's not traded, then it becomes one of those things where the leaders of the team are like, well, what the heck are we doing? Is, is this worth it if, he, if he's not all in? then obviously he's going to go out and do what he does, but is he, is he doing it for himself or is he doing it to try to get us to where we want to be? And that's when a World Series. And that's uh, you know you can you can get to the 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 same end point whatever the motive is, but if it ain't going well, you wonder about uh, the, uh, the 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 give a damn level, right? And uh, you guys got to all all be in for sure. Like what you hear, high quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402. 
1-800-466-4466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com Just try me, try me Back to Hale Varsity Radio Jabba Chamberlain's with us a few more minutes at Hale Varsity Radio All-Star break weekend and uh, you have the Home Run Derby going on tonight All-Star game tomorrow night Jabba, going to go to the draft for a second and uh, Kumar Rocker, uh, loved watching him at Vandy. I know the Mets took him number 10 last year. Things didn't work out. They had questions about his, his hand and injury history. He played uh, independent ball in Tri-Valley. And uh, you had uh, his ranking going into the draft, 33rd on the big board. But Texas said, you know what, let's team him and Leiter up. Took him number three at all. I know you you followed that Vandy squad quite a bit uh, when they were both on the hill. What do you think of Texas landing uh, Kumar? I think it's it's one of those deals where I feel like they talked to Jack, mm-hmm. and obviously knowing Jack's history just with his father and being around baseball and you know being in a locker room and in a classroom with him and in the type of person he is, I think. Knowing Chris Young in the front office of the Rangers is one of the smartest men I've ever met. I had the fortunate pleasure to play with him and just one of the most genuine, greatest human beings in the planet. And he's been doing a fantastic job with the Rangers and getting guys over there. And he's a guy that does not leave anything, any stone unturned. And I think going into seeing the board and, Everybody knew he was going to get drafted. I don't, I don't think they thought as high as it was going. But there's obviously something that CY and, and his staff and the front office of Texas that knows something that we don't. And I think that's why he went that high. And I, and I also just I'm gut instinct and in knowing, knowing Al and, and spending a lot of time with Al in New York and knowing Jack's pedigree and everything, I, I guarantee you there was a conversation with him about not only his pitching ability, but obviously his character and, and everything that goes into that. So knowing that front office with CY and, and what he's done bringing in those guys and, and seeing what they're trying to build, it it wasn't super surprising to me. It was a little bit because I thought he would go in the first round. I didn't necessarily think he would go that high. But it was, I, I think, just the legwork that they do – in that organization is is something to be said why he was taken that high. Java, I want to go to the, the top two picks in the draft. At number one, you had Jackson Holiday, who's the son of Matt Holiday, and then at number two, you had Drew Jones, the son of Andrew Jones, and, and your guy who's a big leaguer with a son who's coming up through high school right now, and I, and I got to pose the question to you. Is being a, a, a prospect like this, is it more of a, an advantage or a disadvantage to have a dad who's a big leaguer. On one hand, you got the guy who's been there and has done that and, and has that knowledge they can pass on to you. But on the other hand, and it comes with added pressure knowing, yeah, my dad was a great ball player and I want to be a great ball player too. Do, do you think it puts these guys at an advantage or a disadvantage being the sons of, of former big leaguers? Uh, I, I see it two ways, I guess. Um, from the aspect of like, hey, yeah, my dad did this. Do I have to live up to him? I, I, I tell my son all the time, I don't want you to live up to me. I want you to be better than me. And so my job as a parent is to give him every ability and opportunity to ask questions, to do things like that. But then also in the back end of it is you have to let him make his own name. You have to let him be him. 
and it's it's hard sometimes because you get very over analytical of things. You watch a game from a different perspective, but then at the same time, you look at it. It's like, well, it's just my son. And for example, my son pitched last night. I was never more nervous in my life. And I've been in the World Series. I've been with games on the line, and I literally didn't move for a couple hours because I just was so nervous because you want them to succeed so much and you know the work that they put in. And I think it's it's comforting, I, I think, more so than a disadvantage or an advantage because when they go through slumps and when they go through things, it's not like a parent that – and not saying that parents, you know, haven't played sports and experienced failure, not only in sports but in life and in business and other things, and they are all very relative. But it's when you had an 0 for 7 day and you're just beat up and it's – the advantage, I think, is from our perspective is we don't talk about it. Like, you know, some people want to analyze the swing or the pitching mechanics or what they did wrong. Like, we've been through it. We, we know. And, and it's just like, hey, go hang out with your friends. Go do something. Like, we don't need to talk about the game. We'll talk about it when the time is right, and we'll figure it out. If you need – if there's questions to be asked and you want to ask them, 100%. Like, you you just let me know, and and that's kind of the way I approach it. And you know, knowing knowing guys that I've played with and seeing them with them, it's you know I ask a lot of questions because Carter was young and I was coming into the league, and there were some older kids from guys that I played with, and it was just you know it's let them be them and let them make a name for themselves. I think in the first round, a total of four or five kids were taken from big leaguers. I think Carl Crawford's son was one of them. And so I just, I mean, it's cool because it's something that you played and you enjoyed and you loved, and now you get to see your son chase his dream. It's it's not our dream at that point. Obviously, do we want them to play baseball and have fun? But if they want to go be a pianist or be on Broadway or do whatever, it's we're always going to, to wish them the best and try to put them in the best situations. But when you see it on a baseball field, it, it, it's pretty cool. Okay, uh, asking for a friend when it comes to breaking out of a slump at the at the dish. Is there a tried and true major league routine that has been magic? I have thought about a live chicken and some of Joe Boo's rum, uh, but I. I I have not found the right route. I've heard peeing on your baseball bat. Is that a legit one? You know? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's there's some that I I don't know if I can say. Right. The Mark Mark Grace train of thought? There's that. There's uh, the Jason Giambi golden thong. That was was one that that I I think is is acceptable for the show. Um, (laughs) And it's, I mean... The links, like, honestly, I think there are a lot of superstitious people in this world, and I, and I totally get that. But being around a lot of baseball players for a lot of years, it's, it's, I would have to say we're probably up there with some of the weirdest, most superstitious people in every aspect. I mean, you'll do anything. I mean, you know, you go to the Bull Durham's, like you said, it's like, hey, we got, we got to find a live chicken, or we, <laughs> we need hats for bats. Like, anything that you can think of that – Literally, I saw Randy Rosarina the other day 
get his bats out, he took his belt off and beat his bats with his belt. So, I mean, there's whatever works for you. Like, and that's the things that you see in a clubhouse and you kind of see other. I don't care if standing on your head and, and saying the alphabet. If that works for you and you get hit, by all means, like, I'll see you <laughs> for pregame on your head doing the alphabet. So, it's, it's, it's one of those things where everybody just kind of has their own little quirk that, that makes it work when they're struggling. And, and it, it works sometimes, maybe not all the time, but, but it definitely works. A few more thoughts. Job at Chamberlain will wrap up a Monday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jabba Chamberlain's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I don't remember Jeter or A-Rod with a lot of slumps, but... Did, did, were, were they superstitious? Whatever you can divulge. I know there's uh, some Omerta principles that, that are part of the Yankees, but uh, anything you can open up about? Um, no, actually, the, the longest hitless streak Derek had was after I hit him when I went to Detroit, and everybody <laughs> blamed me for it. He went oh for like 20-something, and literally my Twitter and everything was going crazy. Oh, you ruined him, blah, 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 his longest hitless streak. Like, that wasn't what I was trying to do. Like, come on. Of all people, like, I'm not trying to hit that guy. I mean, it's, it, it'll be interesting to you. You guys are going to watch The Captain. It, it premieres tonight. On our to-do list for sure. That looks great. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's pretty good. It's, there's, some, there's some things that will surprise you. And, and Derek is one of those guys where he was very, very private about what he did when he played, and, and mm-hmm. it's – it's very interesting to hear, and, and it's it's some cool stuff. It's it's definitely worth worth watching. But those two guys, they really didn't. Well, I guess I'll have a little. Uh, I guess not spoiler, but you'll find out some stuff in there about their relationship. Let's just put it that way, and and kind of hearing it from the horse's mouth instead of everybody's just hearsay. You know. Sure. Jabba Chamberlain with his Jabba. Best of luck to to K Man tonight and. Uh, the boys uh, keep on keeping on, all right? Yeah, we get one win, then we go to state. So it's uh, fingers crossed, everybody listening. You, uh, let's root for the Southwest Silverhawks, even though um, probably a lot of you have kids in other schools. But, hey, I'll, I'll ask for anything that I can get. <laughs> Very good. Jabba, take care. Thanks for making time, bud. Always, anytime, guys. Good stuff from Jabba. This is uh, Red Sox Nation. Chiming in to Jeter before the series begins. Derek Jeter. You've broken my heart several times. 
when I was like five. I don't know. 04 was the best year of my life, brother. Thank you. Derek, you didn't need to dive, but you're a great champion. But guess what? I'm not watching it. Listen, Jeets, if you've been drafted by the Cincinnati Reds, nobody ever would have heard your name. So don't forget that. Derek Jeter was amazing. Super, but we kicked his ass in 2004. Sorry. Big poppy all the way. This is weird because I used to hate you. Now I kind of... Now you're retired. I love you. I appreciate this guy. Now, Jeter, this wouldn't be nearly as fun. I will say this. Uh, Nomar was better. You know that. Long time Sox fan, Pats fan, the whole nine yards. As much as I hate you, I commend your effort off the field. <laughs> on the field, can't stand you. Oh, Have a good one. Cheers. Derek Jeter is overrated. That's all there is to Derek, I hope you hear this one. I've been a Red Sox fan my entire life. I hate the Yankees. I hated you for my entire life. But you're not a bad guy outside of the Yankees. Once you take off the jersey, that's fine. If you go in your backyard and burn the jersey, I'd like you even more. Yeah, Derek Jeter, he's a fantastic baseball player. One of the greatest that's ever lived. Um, even though I hate the Yankees, he's actually one of the players that I fully respect. I appreciate this guy right here. I appreciate There you go. Love from Boston. <laughs> We'll uh, check in tomorrow. Coach Kaz, Mitch Sherman, thanks to Aaron Sorensen, Coach McBride, and, of course, John Chamberlain, uh, HailVarsity.com. A Huda Media Production.